Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Wednesday night service. Praise the Lord. Who is glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Yeah. We're going to have a great time getting into the word and worshiping and fellowshipping. I love Wednesday nights. It's always one of the best nights of the week. In fact, hey, it's the best weeknight that there is. Can we all agree on that at least? All right. Thank you. All right. Well, very good. Let's go ahead and stand up together. We are going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. And we are going to keep declaring this and we are going to see it come to pass in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's say this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and in unity, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, give the Lord some praise tonight. And you may be seated. All right, let's get into some announcements here. We have got plenty of stuff going on as we get into February. Hey, did you notice that today is February 1st? It is a brand new month, amen? We are a twelfth of the way through this year. Hallelujah. All right, so uh, men, we've got the men's meeting on Saturday. Oh, that's the women's meeting. we got the men's meeting on Saturday at 9 a.m. And so who's going to be there with me? Thank you, Rodney, Dave, all right. I need at least like a, a Tim. All right, come on, somebody. Can I get can I get a hand? I see that hand. All right, very good. So yeah, we're gonna have a good time, men. Saturday, 9 a.m. Bring some breakfast grub to share with the boys, and we're gonna really study the word, and it's gonna be great. All right, women. Women's meeting is on next Friday, the 10th at 6:30. Uh, Pastor Katie's gonna be teaching it, and she's got some good stuff planned. I don't know what, but it'll be great. So, ladies, who's gonna be at the women's meeting next week? Wow. You really outdid us on that one, ladies. <laughs> I mean, that was better than the response we got from the men, so it's okay. All right, and then the Lift Marrieds Night is coming up on Friday the 17th at 6.30. And there is free child care. It is an Italian pitch and dinner. And there is an online registration, hdwc.org slash married. And you can go on there and register, and that way we know how many kids are coming and what to expect. So go ahead and do that if you have not done it yet. And we can, uh, you know, get a good head count. And then here's one of my favorites. Membership class is coming up. Yeah. So that'll be on Sunday, February 19th from 4 to 7 p.m. And if you are not a member, but you'd like to be, well, we would love to welcome you to the family officially. Amen. As the, so far, it's the biggest class we have ever had yet. I We have all just been shocked at how many uh, people are signing up. So that's a great sign uh, of what the Lord's doing in our church. But anyway, uh, that is on the 19th, 4 to 7 p.m. There is child care available. And then worship night is going to be at the end of this month. Amen. On the 26th at 6 p.m. And it has been a while since we've been able to do one of these. So that'll be at 6 p.m. that night. And uh, we want to, you know, just have a great time 
worshiping the Lord and just letting the Spirit move how He wills. And don't miss out on it. It is going to be a really, really, really powerful night. And then the last announcement is we're a little ways out, but we're getting ahead of the ball. It's going to be Mrs. Pastor's 75th birthday party. Uh, Yeah. On Sunday, March 12th, and that is her actual birthday, the 12th of March. So uh, anyway, uh, we're going to do a great big party that day. We're going to have a, a, a pitch and dinner afterwards and all sorts of cool stuff. And uh, it's going to be great. A lot of my siblings are flying in from all over the country, so we're really excited about it. But just mark that on your calendar now. Be here for it, and we are going to celebrate in a great big way, all right? Well, praise God. I think that is all the announcements for now. So who knows what time? Time it is now. Yes, it's happy time. Amen. Pastor is going to do our Wednesday night tithes and offerings. Amen. Glory to God. Jesus is good and his mercy endures forever. Amen. Now hold up your hands in the offering envelope. And uh, all of our ushers will be glad to serve you. Open up your Bibles, Matthew chapter 6. I was, I, I was praying on the way to church about uh, what, what scripture to use tonight. And I, always, I always pray before I ever get up here to make sure I know what it is he wants to say to you. This should be a familiar passage for everybody here. And the ones out there, if it's not familiar, then uh, look in your Bible at it or check your Bible out later. But, you know, I, I, I say this about every time I get up here for the times we live in. You need to be right with God with your money for the times we live in. You know, we, uh, we, we don't know what's coming in America. We're praying for good things, looking for good things, but you got so many, uh, non, non-Jesus people doing things, we don't know if they'll listen to God or not. But my, my, my prosperity, my needs being met isn't based upon them, it's based upon me and what I do with my money. And so I'm going to keep things right. But Matthew chapter 6, verse 31, Jesus just through giving a discourse about uh, people worried about how, what they're going to eat, what they're going to drink, clothing, etc., etc. And so this chapter is basically talking about all of our natural needs being met, our financial needs, housing needs, education, whatever it is. If you've got a bunch of kids or whatever it is, Jesus tells you about how to make sure that you always have more than enough. Say more than enough. Amen. We don't want to just barely get along. We want more than enough. You know, he told Abraham, said, said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. And we're Abraham's seed, and that's for us. He wants us blessed so we can be a blessing. So verse 31, you think about today, and, you know, I, I saw a gas sign on the way to church, and I thought, wow, man, it's jumped again. Well, glory to God. Don't you get tired of that? But I'm so glad it doesn't change the Bible. The Bible's still the same. God's still the same. He said, therefore, verse 31, take no thought. And my center column says, don't worry. Saying, and I circled the saying, and the reason I did, uh, 40-some years ago, I said under my first pastor, he teaches this verse. He always pointed out the saying. He said, you haven't taken the thought until you say it. As soon as you say it, you bought it. And so thoughts come, but we don't have to receive them. We need to speak the word of God, praise Jesus, or do something. But as soon as you start speaking the negative thought, the non-biblical thought, 
you just bought it. So Jesus said, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Wherethal shall we be clothed? Well, honey, I'd like to go to church Sunday, but I just got enough gas to make no payday going to work. We don't have church gas. Wow. Don't you think the devil would love to put that thought in people's heads? And so anyway, take no thought saying, and then for after all these things do the Gentiles seek. And Jesus talked to Jewish people, but he's talking to Gentiles. He's, he's talking talk about non-covenant people. Well, today, non-covenant people are people that aren't in the new covenant yet through Jesus. And so he says, all, all the unbelievers are seeking after all these things. And your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. Isn't that nice to know that the Father knows how much gas costs? How much a dozen eggs cost? How much clothes cost for kids and how quick these teenagers grow? And all these little extra things they do now. They didn't have all this extra stuff when I was young. But all this extra stuff now, especially if you got a house full of kids and you have no favorites, you just treat them all right. Well, your father knows <clears throat> that you have need of all these things. But verse 33, uh, take, take another job and forget church. Or see if you can work, see if you can work doubles for the next 32 days and forget your spiritual life. What did he say? But seek ye first, seek ye first, not as an afterthought, first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And I remember I'd, I'd been saved for a lot of years, and I'd heard this verse a lot, read it a lot, and knew it a lot. And I, I just, all of a sudden, you know, sometimes the Holy Ghost stirs you up to study something yourself. And so we was going through a lot of poor times. And I kept hearing this from him. Seek you first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, all these things shall be out unto you. And I started getting frustrated because just I kept that just kept going over me. I said, Seek you first, seek you first, seek you first. I said, Well, I'm going to seek it for a minute now. And so he had me research it. And I come down to what that says is this first of all, go for the expansion of his kingdom. Go for the expansion of his kingdom. And all these things are added to you. Okay, if your family expands, that's because you had more babies. Right? And so if the kingdom of God is going to grow, that's because it gets more babies, baby Christians. And so then I realized what he was saying in this passage right here. You do your part to work with the gospel. Whether you're a super soul winner or not, you support your church, you support ministries, you do what you can to make sure that people are able to get the good news out. And now, I got a challenge. Something the Lord gave me come to church. <laughs> I don't think this way. And so this is for people watching out there. This is for some of you. I myself have never one time in my whole life bought a lottery ticket or a lotto, whatever all that stuff is. I, 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 don't just, I just don't like to throw my money away. And so the Lord told me to tell you this. said, although I myself... Don't believe that, never done it. So there's a lot of Christians that they do the lottery. They do the powerballs and all that stuff, but give very little into the kingdom of God. And so Jesus himself told me this, come to church. He said, issue a challenge to the people like to give their money, throw their money away to lotteries. He said, next time you want to buy a lottery ticket or any of that goofy stuff, he said, stop and think. If I put this in the kingdom of God, that's a guaranteed win. 
Amen. Amen. You know, that's not a gamble. He told his promises for tithers. That's not a gamble. That's God talking. And then Jesus told us, you go for the expansion of my kingdom first and all your needs are met. The best way to fill up your refrigerator, your gas tank, to pay your light bill is giving to the gospel. And so I'm not just talking about for the offering here at the church. That would be a really smart thing if you're going to spend, I don't know what lottery ticket stuff costs. I have no idea. If you're going to spend 5 or $10 on some kind of lottery stuff, come in and put it in the offering for missions. Children's church, do something. If you don't want to do that, next time you see a homeless person, that's not a con job. Say, hey, man, let me take you in and feed you and help you out. Or you hear about somebody in church or somebody on your job is having a hard time. Say, hey, let me help you out. I got an extra 10 bucks because I've been delivered from lottery. And then when you do, do it in the name of Jesus, though. If you help a homeless person, if you help a poor person or somebody else, so I just want to tell you, I'm doing this in Jesus' name because I love you. I'd like to pray for you. Jesus wants to help you. Amen? So you do that, and Jesus said, all these things shall be added unto you. And I want to say something, too, so we get this. He said, your father knows you have need of it. you got to get this, these things. God doesn't just care about the spiritual. He cares about the natural. Food, clothing, education, gasoline, insurance money, light bills are called things. He said, your father knows you have need of these things. Amen. So that's the answer. That's the best I got. I gave the challenge. So that's from Jesus. So what you want to do with it, it's up to you. I just know that if I were a lottery person and I was sitting under the anointing, somebody told me that. I know the next time I went to throw my money away with fear and trembling, I said, whoa, this is seed. i got to put it in the kingdom. It's a sure return. Hey, man, you want to see some of these sad faces I'm looking at right now? <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus. Hey, man, let's stand up. Aren't we glad we're not the only ones here? There's some people out there watching, too. We can't see their faces. <laughs> let's make our financial faith confession. We'll bring our offerings up. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritance, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for being all my financial needs. So I have more than enough to take care of my family, to give dress in the kingdom of God, promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together tonight.
Tonight, uh, we're going to be talking about this. The title is The Dangers of Complaining. The Dangers of Complaining. And that may not sound like a very uplifting uh, type of a thing to be discussing, but it's just what the Lord put on my heart, and I want to talk to you about it. Now, uh, complaining, you know, it, it may not seem like a big deal, but I say this from experience, and I say it because I care about people, that if you let complaining and negativity nonstop come out of your mouth, it is doing an incredible amount of damage that you don't even know about. I remember one time in Indiana, we had, uh, we didn't know it, but we had termites. And uh, you couldn't see them. They were beneath the surface. And, and we didn't know what was going on, but apparently they'd been there for a while, just nipping away a little bit at a time. Well, one day I'm standing in my sister's bedroom uh, with one of my other brothers, my brother Ben. He's a lot bigger than me. And so we're standing there, and boom, the whole floor collapses. The next thing you know, we are like, you know, down there. Well, what happened? And sometimes complaining, it's just like those little termite bugs. You don't know it. You're just like, yeah, yeah, blowing it off or whatever. But little by little, they're nipping away at the surface and at the foundation of what, you know, of, of your life. And next thing you know, there's just some sort of a collapse. And you're like, what happened? Well, our mouths and our words can do a significant amount of good or a significant amount of damage. And I'm going to take us to, man, a verse that you ought to know by now if you've been coming here. Proverbs 18, 21. Let's do it. Yeah. Proverbs 18, 21. Now, uh, when uh, Solomon originally wrote it in the King James, it said, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Now, I was joking. Solomon didn't write it in the King James. But anyway, uh, but I want to look at it here uh, in the NLT. So New, or the King James says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. They that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. But in the NLT, it says, the tongue, or your words, can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. What a powerful, powerful verse. And we know that there's a lot of other scripture that would back that statement up and, uh, and further cement that proof. But... This is something that you've got to get a hold of this if you're going to grow as a Christian. Somebody asked me the other day, you know, can you send me like some of your top uh, reasons, top things for spiritual growth? And, if, you know, I sent a few. And, of course, high up on the list is love because Jesus said, by this shall all men know you're my disciples indeed if you have love for one another. But this is up there, too. When somebody begins to control their mouth, according to James, if you could can fully control your mouth, you would literally says be perfect in every area. You could control every other aspect of your life if you could get to the part of fully controlling your mouth. It is a powerful thing. And so, anyway, I'm going to talk tonight about the dangers of complaining. And I just want you to, you know, look at the word with us here, but realize that even if bad things are happening in your life, do you really think that repeating those bad things out loud and talking about how bad it is will fix the situation. It won't. No, absolutely not. I mean, if nothing else, even if you're not to the place where you can discipline yourself to start speaking really good, positive, faith-filled words over it, if nothing else, if nothing else, at least stop speaking complaining, negative, 
death-filled words over your situation. If nothing else, stop the bleeding. Now, the best thing would be to replace the bad words with Bible verses and good words. That would really uh, expedite the process of your miracle. But if nothing else, stop complaining and speaking bad words over your situation, all right? And so we're going to talk about a few things here uh, in regards to the dangers of complaining, and we will end on a positive note, all right? So you'll leave here with a smile on your face, all right? But let's get into this. Number one, talking about complaining, number one, complaining makes you weaker. Complaining makes you weaker. Contrary to popular belief, it does not strengthen you. I, I just said that, but it, it's, I don't think that's popular belief. I, but, but still, contrary to whatever people do, complaining does not strengthen you in any way. In fact, I was reading this study. Uh, uh, Dr. Travis Bradbury said that research shows that most people complain about one time per minute during a typical conversation. You ever, I mean, just, you know, maybe you could, you know, you're talking to someone at work. Man, it's a beautiful day. Yeah, but I mean, it's supposed to be this later on today, so <laughs> there goes that. Okay. Man, I had a great drive in today. How was your drive? Well, it was good until some idiot pulled in front of me, and then, my gosh, stinking place. You know, I mean, just think about it and, and, and do your own study on this, but you will realize, Irma would really, I mean, you talk to a thousand people a day, don't you? I mean, I'm probably more than that. The majority of people, unfortunately, have a lot of negative things to say. And I've, I've read also many times that a customer is far more likely to call in a complaint on a worker or on service than they are to call in a compliment. I mean, those of you that are out, you know, in the workforce, you know this. I mean, you could have just done the absolute best job all day long, and it seems like, hey, nobody noticed, but God noticed, so keep that in mind. But then the one time you just slip up a little bit, you know, someone's going to call that in. And that is an unfortunate mindset that our society has. I was at uh, McDonald's the other day, and there's this young lady that's always uh, running the drive. She is the nicest person, and I just told her, I, I don't know anything about her. I said, you're the nicest person in Barstow, young lady. And she was like, oh, thank you. And I'm like, no, seriously, you are so nice all the time. God bless you. And, and I'm just saying, that goes a lot further than the one time she screws up on the job and, and you know, you got to call it. I want to speak to the manager, okay? Like, don't do that. Don't be like that. And, and right, so uh, let's look at Philippians 2.14. Philippians 2.14. Develop a mindset. Develop a lifestyle of, you know, I don't, I, this sounds weak and fruity, but of positivity, all right? And I, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not being new age about that. I'm just saying, seriously, adapt a positive attitude in life. That goes a whole lot further. So Philippians 2, and we're going to look here at verse 14. Lovely verse. This is one of those verses that I have tried to teach my children lovingly. All right. Every, every child needs this verse. Every person needs this verse. But check it out, Philippians 2.14, do almost everything without complaining and arguing. <laughs> no, do everything without complaining and arguing. And I, I mean, if you, and I get it, sometimes we are, you know, there's things we don't want to do. Have you ever have to do something you don't want to do? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, but here's the thing. 
your attitude on whatever that issue is. Maybe at work they've assigned you to be doing something you don't really want to do. Maybe they've assigned you to a new thing or your temporary, whatever the case is. Listen, don't sit there and complain about it because according to scripture, that's wrong. Thank you. That's all I've got for tonight. Are you done? God bless you. Me and my Bible are going home. There you go. Praise God. All right. No, do everything without complaining and arguing. And that seems like such a broad statement like, well, who could do that? Well, man, if the Bible says it, I'm going to do my best to do it. I may not get it 100% of the time, but I am absolutely going to obey Scripture to the best that I can. And I found this out, that the weakest Christians that I know are, are they're people that complain all the time. Absolutely. The weakest Christians, the people that do not have victory and joy and peace and prosperity, the, the, the ones that just don't seem to be having the victory, they are people that complain all the time. And that's a, again, that's a dangerous spot to put yourself in because complaining does make you weaker. Now, I've thought of it this way. Complaining is like scratching a rash. And I remember one time, it was the summer of 1996. I was playing out in the woods like any good little redneck boy, trying to catch crawdads out in the creek. And uh, I did catch some that day, but I also caught poison ivy. And uh, that's not something we're familiar with in the desert. But let me tell you, poison ivy is horrendous if you have an allergic reaction to it, which I did. And oh my goodness, the only way I can describe what I looked like is if you have seen, I'm not endorsing this movie, I'm simply making a point, uh, the movie Hitch with Will Smith when his face blows all up like a balloon, that's what I looked like. And I mean, I was walking around town and, and, and people are like, oh my gosh, yeah. like I had the plague or something. And it was awful. But here's the thing about getting poison ivy or we have poison oak or another thing called poison sumac out there. All these poisonous things in the beautiful woods is you, you, you start to itch a little bit, then you scratch it. And it provides temporary relief, but in all reality, it is making the problem a whole lot worse. In fact, it's spreading the problem all over your body. And it is, it's just awful. And sometimes, Christian, listen, sometimes we may feel like, yeah, I just need to get this off my chest. <laughs> and, and, and we begin to complain, right? And listen, okay, that feels a little better. Oh, woo! Next thing, wait, wait, but this is wrong now, and this is wrong, and and this, and all of a sudden, man, you just you you can't see any good. Everything is negative, and you have spread the disease all over your life, and it really just started in one area. Complaining, it spreads just like a rash. And I'm going to tell you something else. Complaining people usually are fearful people as well. Most people I know that are very prone to complaining, they're also very fearful of different things. Like, yeah, but what if this happens? And could this happen? And, 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 and that just opens up a whole other horrendous door to your life. If you only look for the bad in life, you'll find it. And that, in turn, will make you full of fear and anxiety. But yes, let's get real. If you want to find negative, bad things in this world, you don't have to look far, and we all know it. But we don't need you, you know, you don't need to be the, the broadcaster of all the bad news. And, and so if you look for the bad in life and in this world, 
you'll find it. I've also found out, and again, this may all sound cheesy, but I'm just being very serious. If you look for the good, you're going to find a whole lot of good as well. And especially as a Christian, you could, you know, look at, man, there's so many sinners around here. I can't stand this place. Or like, man, sinners, let's evangelize. Let's go. Woo! Right? Come on. It's how you look at it. And there's the old saying, is the glass half empty or is it half full? And we always say it is neither. According to Psalm 23, my cup runneth over. Amen. How is your outlook on life? Seriously, complaining and being negative is not going to help anything at all. And I like a quote from the great Mark Twain, the wonderful author from the 1800s. He said, don't complain and talk about all your problems. 80% 80% of people don't care. The other 20% think that you deserve them. And so I'm like, hey, true story, all right? Come on. <laughs> so it's better to just you talk to God and uh, deal with it that way. Number two, talking about the dangers of complaining, number two is complaining prolongs the issues. Complaining prolongs the issues. And the absolute best example of all time of this is with the children of Israel in the book of Exodus. So let's turn to Exodus chapter 16. Exodus chapter 16. Amen. Are you feeling encouraged tonight? Hallelujah. Praise God. Exodus chapter 16, and we're going to look at the first few verses here in the NLT. But complaining and, you know, being negative about whatever your situation is, even if you're in a bad situation, we're not denying that sometimes... Yeah, we're like going through something. But if we look at the example of the children of Israel, they were not, you know, in the most pleasant of circumstances. But when they turned to complaining, it only turned things into a whole lot worse of a mess. And so we're going to look here at Exodus chapter 16, verses 1 through 3. And so here we have that they've made it through out of Egypt, they've been through the ten plagues, and they've made it through the Red Sea, and here they are. Uh, you'd think that there would be some things to be excited about, but Exodus 16.1 says, Then the whole community of Israel set out from Elam and journeyed into the wilderness of Sin between Elam and Mount Sinai. Anybody here ever been in the wilderness of Sin? Don't raise your hand. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, that was me. <laughs> all right. No, we've, we've all been there. But this is actually a geographical location. It's not a theoretical. You know, all right. Anyway. Um, they arrived there on the 15th day of the second month, one month after leaving the land of Egypt. And there, too, the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. Now, look at what they said here. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. Uh, there we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted, but now you've brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. And I'm like, well, time out. First of all, uh, you're getting manna delivered to you every single day. It may not be like your favorite food, but you got food. And in fact, on top of that, they even still had meat. The Lord had quail show up every day. So they had meat, they had manna, and the Lord was providing water in whatever miraculous way he needed to. If it needed to come out of a rock, it came out of a rock. But their needs were provided. And here they are sitting about uh, complaining about the food selection and reminiscing about the good old days in Egypt. And I'm like, time out, wait a minute. 
don't you recall that they were like beating your brains out and you were a slave? But you had the, the meat that you wanted? I mean, seriously. And how bad is it for a child of God? He has delivered you from the kingdom of darkness. And it says, translated you into the kingdom of his dear son. You were a slave to sin and to death and to the Bible. Satan used to just bash your brains out every day and just terrorize your life. And sometimes we come back, yeah, but I remember the, you know, back, yeah, back then. Don't ever look back to Egypt. There is nothing there that you need, period. Never look back to Egypt. And, and so these guys were in this situation where, yeah, I mean, at least back there it was like this. Reminds me of one guy I knew that, that he would quit one job because he hated it so much. And then he'd get to the new job and talk about, man, this job stinks. At least at the last job, it was like this. And then quit that job and do the next job. Man, I hate this job. My last job was like this. And, and it's just a never-ending cycle of complaining and negativity. And it never, ever ends. And that's the trap that the children of Israel got themselves into. And it, it is a, it's a vicious thing to try to break. Look at Exodus chapter 32. Exodus 32. Amen. And so, all right, weirdos, knock it off, all right? You guys are the weirdest people in the world. <laughs> all right, we get it, we get it. All right, so, uh, yeah, anyway. I was, Brother Hagen, he, he talked about people being doubt peddlers in his church. And and he, he said, I'd rather have a, a church full of dope peddlers than doubt peddlers. And and he's like, and people are like, well, why would you say something like that? He's like, at least the dope peddlers, everyone knows they're wrong and you'll try to get, you know, do something about them. But doubt peddlers, complaining, doubt, negative peddlers that just spread that mess everywhere, people aren't so quick to realize how deadly and poisonous that is to your life Doubt, fear will kill you. It will. Doubt, fear, complaining, negativity, man, that stuff will kill you. It is a killer. You need to take this seriously. And so Exodus 32, we're going to look here at verses 1 through 4. says, so if Moses is up on the mountain, all right, talking to God, Getting the, I mean, just an incredible experience. And here's what happens while he's up there. Exodus 32, verse 1. When the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said. Make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So Aaron said... Take the gold rings from the ears of your wives and sons and daughters and bring them to me. All the people took the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. Then Aaron took the gold, melted it down, and molded it into the shape of a calf. When the people saw it, they exclaimed, O Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Woo! Not good. Not good. That is, I mean, that's hard to even read to this day. To think that somebody, God has miraculously delivered you, restored you, healed you, provided for your little complaining nasty self all this time, and you've got the audacity 
to give the credit to some, uh, somebody else, let alone a false god. This is a horrendous, horrendous story. And in fact, this god, I mean, this god had only existed for five minutes. How in the world are you going to say that this little cow has delivered you? And as you study the Old Testament, you'll find that one thing that God absolutely hated was when his people wandered away and began to serve other gods. And his people still do it to this day. You know, it may not be a golden cow. Sometimes it could be, but maybe they they wander away to, to serve money. Maybe they wander away to serve some new hobby or some new pleasure or some new whatever. And and you're like, and, and listen, I'm just telling you, it never ends good. This has a 6,000 year track record of ending really, really bad when you begin to put other things before God. I've never seen it turn out good. I've seen train wreck after train wreck. And so what happens here is Moses comes back down the mountain. How do you think old Mo felt about this one? Bro was ticked off. He was angry. And so, uh, so if I'm going to cut down to verses 19 and 20, but God talks to Moses on the mountain. And so Moses is like, oh, I better get down there. But look at verses 19 through 20. When they came near the camp, Moses saw the calf and the dancing and he burned with anger. I'm telling you, there's not a lot that can make me that mad, but this would probably send me over the edge. He threw the stone tablets to the ground, smashing them at the foot of the mountain. Little known Bible fact. Moses is the biggest sinner in the entire Bible. Broke all ten commandments at once. Yeah. All right. Little pastor humor for you. All right. Verse 20. Verse 20. But here's what I like about Moses. He makes the people pay, but he does it in a very creative way. And I love this part of the story. He took the calf they had made and burned it. So, I mean, if your God can be burned, you know, by by an older man, I mean, that's just, that says something right there. But look at this. Then he ground it into powder, threw it into the water, and forced the people to drink it. What? I mean, seriously. Moses was over-the-top angry because this was a righteous indignation. This was a righteous anger. And Jesus experienced righteous anger, and it is possible for us to experience a righteous anger. And out of all of this, you would think, like, okay, well, you know, the price is paid. They had to drink their little God. No, no, no. As we all know, not only this story, but several other stories are the reason, but it took them 40 years to get to the promised land. You look at a map, that was, it should have taken them 11 days. It's about an 11-day walk. It turned into 40 years. And as we know, most of the grown men had to die by the time they got there because God was so angry at what happened in Numbers 14. He's like, you know what? Forget it. You guys are never getting in except for Joshua and Caleb until every grown man of fighting age is dead. Then you can finally get in because God loves us. But... It is an insult to him when we, and you know, again, we laugh about complaining, but it can turn into such a sin that you're directly insulting God and basically saying, you're not doing a good enough job. You owe me more. I deserve better than this. And we can turn in, pardon my language, to a spoiled little brat. 
to our Father. And after a while, you know, sometimes your kids kind of nag at you a little bit. You know, at least for me, I'll put up with it for a little bit. But after a while, I'm like, okay, I've had enough. Shut your mouth, right? And 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 we, as the children of God, He is rich in love. He is slow to anger. His mercies are new every morning. Lamentations 3.23, great is His faithfulness, but I'm telling you, after a while, you can only take so much of a nagging, complaining, whiny little kid. Parents, can I get an amen at least from you? And so that's where we found the children of Israel, and it cost them very, very dearly. Uh, Complaining will keep you out of God's promised land for your life. Complaining will keep you out of God's promised land for your life. And another fun fact, we just got all sorts of fun facts tonight. Fun fact, complainers aren't happy anywhere. You can put them right here in Barstow. And I, I see it, you know, I know people, you know people. Yeah, you, you, you put them right here in Barstow and oh, it stinks here. The people are mean, the food's bad, blah, 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 blah. You know, okay, well then we'll just, we'll put you in New York City. Oh, I can't stand it here, blah, 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 blah. Okay, well let's put you over here in Seattle. Blah, 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 blah. And, and they're, Everywhere you go. Because why? It's not a geographical location issue. It's a heart issue and a bad attitude issue. And so one thing, I'm my associate pastor in, in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, great guy. But one night I was at a, at a midweek service just like this. And he said something that really, really got me. But he said, there's two types of people, two types of Christians. There's praisers and complainers. Complainers always find something to complain about. And praisers always find something to praise about. You could take two people and present them with the exact same situation, right? And one person could do nothing but complain. The other person could say, you know what, let's just stop and praise God right now. Lord, you are good. I don't know how, but you're going to make a way through this. Lord, last time I had a difficulty, you brought me right through it. Last time I was sick, you healed me. Last time I was dealing with financial stuff, you provided. Jesus, I just want to praise you already. Right? It's in your heart. And so, listen... Complainers, mark my words, will always find something to complain about, but praisers will always find something to praise God about. Another fun fact. We're full of them tonight. Fun fact. A complaining Christian is about the worst witness that there is. If I am your unsaved co-worker, and all I ever hear from you is negativity and complaining, why in the world would I want to go to your church? I'd be like... Wait, are they the ones that made you like this? Because I, I don't want to go over there. No, thank you. I mean, I've got issues, but you know, they're not as bad as that. I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll play the hand that I was dealt. You know, but, but seriously, being a, a complainer as a Christian, it, 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 it damages your witness, and it's already a, a, a battle sometimes to, to get out there and be the light of the world and to be a good witness. And, and, and it does not help your cause at all if you're just negative and, and moody and complaining. Nobody wants to be around that. So I think about Job. You guys know Job? All right. Good guy. But some really bad stuff happened to Job, as we know. And hey, it would be enough to really mess with anybody. (laughs) I mean, had some horrendous things happen to the man. Lost everything. But as you read the book of Job, you see that 
he turned into a very negative and bitter person. And again, I always, you know, we talk about this, but I hear so many people, usually, you know, not from this church, thankfully, but, you know, like, man, I just identify with Job. I'm like, why? My life stinks, that's why. (laughs) Okay, well, I also identify with Job, but I identify with Job in chapter 42. And so let's look there, Job chapter 42, verses 6 and 10. We've all, yeah, man, been through some stuff. I don't know a person here that hasn't been through some stuff, some difficulty, faced some things. But here's the thing. Job's problems just got worse and worse and worse. You read the book and it is, it's terrible. Loses most of his family, loses his wealth. And you know what, you know, if he was a poor guy, it wouldn't like been that much, but he was rich. And he lost it. He lost everything. He gets all these diseases. And it's just terrible, the things that kept happening. But the more he complained, the worse it got. The complaining never one time made the situation get any better and never stopped the bad things from happening. And so, interestingly, at the end of the book, all the way at the very end, Job 42 and verse 6, Job finally tells the Lord, I take back everything I said, and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. And so everyone else is focusing on the first 42 books of complaining, but they always leave out this part right here. He takes back everything that he said, and he's like, you know what, I I take it all back, I repent, I apologize. I should have never said those things. They were wrong. And look at even down here at verse 10. When Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. Why does nobody preach that verse? Seriously, I identify with that because I have experienced the loss in my life of things that I held dearly, but as of this point in 2023, easily have doubled, potentially triple of anything that I've ever lost. Amen? And I did experience a season of bad complaining and bitterness over some terrible things that happened to my family, man. And yeah, I wish that they hadn't happened. Absolutely. Terrible things that I will probably never even share. But... Here's the thing, I can tell you, the more that I complained, the more that I wanted revenge, the worse it got. For me, it didn't ever affect them, but it hurt me, and it crushed me, and it made me a bitter, bitter person as a teenager, as a late teenager. But praise God, when I repented and prayed for people, the Lord restored everything. And praise God, gave at least my family twice as much, but I would say probably quadruple as much as we ever had before. God is good. And so we've kind of seen here what complaining can do to you. But the third thing I'm going to talk about is this, is that thankfulness brings the blessings. Thankfulness brings the blessings. Who likes the good stuff? Yeah. Thankfulness brings the blessings. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Let's go. I wish the internet people knew how weird it was if you're actually here. (laughs) Philippians 4. 
verses 6 through 7. All right. And these are, man, these are some really, really powerful verses. Very, very, very important verses. If you don't get anything else tonight, get this right here. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, it says, Don't worry about anything. Woo! Big statement. But wow, it'll change your life. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Well, I thought I was supposed to tell my uncle what I needed. I thought I was supposed to tell Raymond what I needed. I thought I was supposed to tell the internet what I needed. No. Tell God what you need. And then thank Him for all He has done. And who knows... He's already done a lot for you, right? I mean, even if he never did anything else for me, which he will, but theoretically, even if he never did anything else for me, he's already done way more than I deserve. He owes me nothing else. (laughs) But listen, tell him what you need. Thank him for all he has done. Verse 7, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. In fact, his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. What a beautiful promise from the word of God. Complaining brings anxiety and stress. But when you thank God for all he's done, that allows you to experience God's peace. And so I encourage us tonight that... You know, as we're winding down, but I encourage us to start, start checking your mouth, okay? If complaining has been trying to get a hold of you, even if you are going through a, a bad thing, right? You may have a right to complain, but that doesn't mean you should do it. There's a lot of things you have the right to do technically, but that doesn't mean you should be doing it. And that includes complaining. If you have seen this starting to get a hold or a root in your life, I just encourage you and challenge you to nip it in the bud, knock it off right now, ask for the help of God to overcome this thing, and it will absolutely start setting the course for your life in a much better direction. Because, I mean, I don't need any stress. I don't need any anxiety. I don't need any extra burdens trying to come onto my life. I need the peace of God which surpasses all understanding to guard my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Amen? All right, let's give the Lord some praise tonight. All right, let's go ahead and stand up together. Did you receive anything from the Word of God this evening? Amen. God is good to us. Hallelujah. The Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. I found out that if you can't say anything else, say the Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. Uh, We see in the Old Testament, He consistently told the the people of Israel and Judah specifically to, to say that. And so the Lord is good, His mercy endures forever. Amen. Well, I'm going to have my prayer team come on up tonight. Amen. Here we are. Thanks, Dad. You're the best. Amen. But if you're here and you need prayer for anything, we would absolutely love to be in agreement with you and see the Lord work in your life. And uh, and and just, you know, if you don't need prayer, let's take a minute to just thank God for what he's already done in our lives. Amen. All right, if you need prayer, go ahead and come on up this evening.
and you give life. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. A great are you. your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise we pour out our praise it's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise to you only it's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise and pour out our praise it's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise to you only Share it for pastor tonight, amen. He was asking if anybody uh, had a chance to see what the Powerball was up to. I don't know if anybody. All right. Okay. Okay. All right. The kingdom's up to a hundredfold. That's even better. Praise God. Amen. All right. Well, let's go ahead. We're going to close out in prayer and the Barstow Faith Confession. Uh, men, men's meeting is Saturday at 9 a.m. Bring some grub to share, and we're going to have a great time together. Sunday, you got to be here Sunday. It's going to be awesome. Uh, first Sunday of the month, we're going to be doing communion together and everything else. So be here this weekend and invite somebody, man. It is a season where people are more open to the gospel than they were before. And so I just put that challenge out there to you right now. Bring somebody with you and let them hear the good news that Jesus loves them and he has a plan for their life. Amen. All right, let's pray and then we will close things out.
Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for what we've seen in your word tonight. And, Lord, we know that there is a lesson for us uh, from the children of Israel, from Job, and everything else that we've looked at. Lord, that complaining, it, it doesn't help our situation, but speaking the right words of faith will absolutely turn everything around, Lord. Help us to be uh, aware of this tonight. And, Lord, if we've been tripping in this area, Lord, help us to make the right changes in the name of Jesus. Jesus, we love you and we ask that you would use us this week to be the light of the world everywhere we go. We love you and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Can somebody say amen? All right, let's speak these words of faith together. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we'll see you this weekend.